54, which gives us reason to rejoice in God before we see his great and precious promises manifested in our lives. And I hope we got that last week, right? Because um, the context is God is telling a barren woman to sing, speaking of God's people, to sing in their barrenness because God is going to bring fruitfulness. So the singing comes before the manifestation of God's release. And I hope that's something, I want to stress that um, today, that before we move on and we talk about today's Haftarah, that we would um, really nail down that principle, that we would be people who rejoice before we see the manifestation of God's promises revealed in our life. That's how it really happens. That is worshiping God in spirit and in truth, in faith. And as we do that, God releases his supernatural provision. Today, like I said, we're going to be looking at the sixth Haftarah of Consolation. And I want to stress that these Haftarot that we read leading up to the High Holy Days carries with them a messianic hope and anticipation of God's redemptive purposes for Israel and the nations. But hear me, it's not just a messianic hope in that if you're sitting here and you say, well, I know the Messiah, I'm good. No, it's a messianic hope, past, present, and future, right? It says in the Psalms that God is a very present help in times of trouble. Yeshua said, right, I will be with you always to the end of the age. So it's a, not only a past hope if you received Messiah, but it's a present hope that God wants to fill your heart with hope in the situations and challenges of life that you're facing. And it's also a future hope. Right, that he will return. The Mashiach will come and it will be glorious. And all eyes, it says, will see him. And so God will wrap up uh, this whole thing with the tikkun olam and we'll be talking about that a little bit today. One scholar writes that the Haftarah announces the wondrous restoration of Zion, illumined by divine light and filled with worldly splendor. This illumination is nothing less than God's presence and redemption. And the act of his generosity is a gift to the nations who had formerly been, uh, uh, been oppressing you know, Israel and the city of Jerusalem, formerly um, anti-God, right? And yet God's gift and graciousness would be now extended to them as well. What a great God, <laughs> you know? You know, we think of sometimes people have this wrong theology about God. The God of the uh, Tanakh or the Old Testament is a mean God and a God of judgment. And the God of the Brit Chadishah is a kind and loving and compassionate God. No, God is the same. <laughs> he's compassionate in the Old Covenant and he's compassionate in the New Covenant. He's a God of justice and judgment in the Old Covenant and justice and judgment in the New Covenant. He's consistent, okay? God's grace is for all, always has been and always will because he is a good God. The prophecy is marked by a universal vision and the expectation of physical and spiritual transformation, past, present, and future for us. We should note 
that the prophet speaks these words of hope sometime after Cyrus, um, the Mede and Persian, had conquered Babylon and issued an edict in 538 that allowed the Judean exiles, among other peoples, uh, to return to their homeland and restore their religious heritage. Right? That's what's going on. But I should also note that there is obviously a partial fulfillment in this passage, but it is abundantly clear that the text here um, carries with it the messianic element that is being fulfilled and will culminate in Israel's salvation. Hear that. Will culminate in Israel's salvation along with all peoples who respond to God's will. You know, there were some theologians in the 16th century that said God was finished with Israel. Matter of fact, that God had rejected Israel. And I uh, could only echo the words of Rav Shaul, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. And... God is a God of redemption, and until he returns to wrap things up, he will continue to uh, redeem mankind, Jew and Gentile alike. Amen? It's also interesting to consider that the book, the Hebrew book order, okay, uh, is different than the English book order. We know that, right? So where in your English, the last book before the Brit Chadashah is Malachi. But in the Hebrew, it is not Malachi, it's 2 Chronicles. And why is that important? And because I believe that the canon of Scripture is by no accident, but by the will of God. And so here we have 2 Chronicles that leads right into Matthew chapter 1. And it's no coincidence that the ultimate hope of Israel comes on the heels of of them being free to return to the land and wait for Mashiach at the end of Chronicles. And then the very next line you're going to read is Matthew speaking about the Messiah, Yeshua, coming on the scene. That's not a coincidence. I want to emphasize that this text is speaking to Yerushalayim, Israel as a whole, as well as the people of God who call upon his name from among the nations. Um, this is a powerful, like Rena uh, told us, a powerful passage to consider in light of the Messiah and his promised deliverance. Again, I want you to hear that in the context of presently as well. Because some of us might have a need for God to move in our lives in a given area. And we might need an answer to prayer. And we might be desperate for God to help us and do what only God could do. Well, I want to encourage you today. This promise of redemption is for you today. It's not just a past thing. Kumi ori kiva orech. Ukevod Adonai alayik zarach. Arise, shine, Yerushalayim, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth, I want you to think of this in context of your life, in context in the times in which we live today. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, on you Adonai will rise. Over you will be seen his glory. Nations will go toward your light and kings toward your shining splendor. I don't know, that reminds me of the words of Yeshua, right? That you are the light of the world. Don't take your light and put it under a bushel, right? But let it shine before men. But we are the light of the world because he was first the light of the world. He is the Shamish, right? The great servant of the Lord. Realizing, do you realize that these consolations include the servant songs speaking of Mashiach? Isaiah 60 is a servant song, which speaks of the Messiah, servant, right, of God. And so when we light the shamish, the servant candle lighting all other candles, it all ties together because God wants to bring his light to the earth. So let me talk about first Yeshua, the light. The Targums... Everyone knows what the Targum meme are. The Targum meme are an Aramaic translation, right, of the Hebrew text. What's important about that is the first century believers would have been more familiar with the Targum meme than the Hebrew text, okay, because the Aramaic was something that they would have been more familiar with and have readily available to them. So the Targum adds Jerusalem as it is implied, understanding that the people of God are inseparable from the land of God, that's important to note, and the promises of God, including Mashiach. The Haftorah opens with a proclamation announcing the advent of, the, of new light over Jerusalem. I think of the shepherds who saw the glory of the Lord that shone around them, announcing Mashiach was here. The new light, the ore that shines for Zion is God's redemptive presence, juxtaposed to the darkness or hoshech that covers the earth. God's redemptive presence where it shall be night everywhere else, it will be light where you are. So it might be night everywhere around you at work, but light where you are. It could be hopeless for the rest of the world, but you could be hope-filled where you are. Your family members could be distraught and in distress, and there could be hope and joy and vitality where you are. Because the light of God and the Messiah lives in you. Arise and shine, he says to the people of God, for God's glory will rest over you. Do you know it's so common when you look in the catacombs, they have pictures of believers, and they always have 
a ring or a glow around them. Symbolizing that the glory of God was on them. Testimonies of martyrs being burned alive in fire, singing hymns of praise to Yeshua. Glowing even as their lives are sacrificed. The light of God in earthen vessels. Darkness everywhere else, but light in you. That's how it's supposed to be, friends. It's supposed to be. There is a dark world out there, and one that if we look at it, we could perhaps, if we look in our natural, with our natural eye, we could be discouraged or depressed. But if we are filled with the light of God, when's the last time you turned on the light in your very dark house and the darkness prevailed? Did that ever happen to you? No, it never happens. It cannot happen, in fact, that every time you hit that light switch, providing everything's working, you paid your bill, um, that darkness flees in the presence of God's light. Well, that's a good admonition for us <laughs> to be filled with God's light. Um, Matthew 4.16 tells us, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. Speaking about Messiah. We are, as was the, the prophets, and as was Mashiach, designated to be light bearers. We are called to bear God's light in our actions, toward our family, toward outsiders, right? Because Yeshua is the light of the world, and he has called us to um, be lights as well. Yeshua spoke to them in Yochanan 8, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me, wave at me if you're a follower of Yeshua. He who follows me, that's you, that's me, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if you're looking for light in this world, in a person, in a political party, you're looking to the wrong thing. There is only one light. Yeshua is the light. And he is the only one that can dispel the darkness and fill our hearts with joy. And I'm afraid that too often, instead of focusing on God's light that he desires to shine in us and through us, we look for other things, friends, that pale in comparison. Perhaps they could give a temporary satisfaction, but they're not lasting. So in wrote, in contrast to the announcement of light at creation, let there be right, light, the light of redemption is personal. Personal. Um, arise and shine, for your light has dawned and will be over you. 
and it requires a personal decision. So here's my question to you. What personal decision have you made concerning God's light, concerning the Messiah, concerning Yeshua? What personal decision have you made, not only to pray a, a one-time prayer, but what personal decision, hear me, have you made to diligently and ardently follow the Messiah of Israel? How dedicated to the light are you? Am I? How committed are we to this cause and this calling to which God has called us? It's a valid question. Remember Goshen, the place of God's people? And remember when God turned out the lights on Egypt and it went so black, complete blackness, the absence of light, but not in Goshen. That's symbolic of our lives too. There could be blackness and darkness all around, but we can and should be filled with God's light. What is greater than that? Let me ask you that. What is greater than that? What is greater than what God has done for us? You know, I fear for the people of God because, you know what? In the first century, when, when Yeshua came on the scene, realized that Jewish people had been praying for the Messiah three times a day for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Right? And now, he shows up on the scene. Doing everything that you would expect the Messiah to do. Baruch Hashem. Did they follow him? Did they embrace him? Some. But many didn't. Many weren't ready. Friends, the worst thing that we could do is not be ready. You know, we think that we're always going to have a warning. But the parable of the ten virgins tells us otherwise, doesn't it? It says, you do not know the day of the hour. And so I want to encourage you that you need to be ready for several reasons. For your own personal interests, that there could be darkness all around, but light and joy in you. But also for the sake of those around us who need to see the testimony of God's light that he, do you know what? People now, listen to me, some people, many people, believe in aliens more readily than they believe in God. They're waiting for a visitation from another planet or solar system more than they're awaiting a visitation of God. How pathetic is this? People are open and ready to be deceived. And don't be surprised, friends, if the enemy serves up a sweet deception. 
That's why as the people of God, we need to be connected. His light filling our souls and illuminating from us. Yeshua, our light. Second thing, I'm fully convinced of this, that it's time for Israel's salvation. Look what it says in verse 4 of Yeshiahu 60. It says, raise your eyes and look around. They are all assembling and coming to you. Your sons are coming from far off, your daughters being carried on their nurses' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with delight. For the riches of the seas will be brought to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. It goes on and on and on talking about how God is going to restore Israel. In verse 18, it says, violence will no longer be heard in your land. Friend, there's violence currently in the land of Israel. This, pro this prophet, see, says, no longer will violence be heard in the land. You want to know when that's going to happen? That's going to happen when Mashiach is embraced. And you will call your worlds salvation and your gates praise. Arise is spoken over Jerusalem concerning her imminent salvation. The Targum says, for the time of your redemption has come. How long, God? How long are we going to wait for our Jewish people to embrace Mashiach? How long are we going to endure scorn? How long are, is the name of Messiah going to be ridiculed and mocked? For some of us, we believe, believe in this and standing for this for decades and yet we sit here today and the promise is not yet fulfilled and we have options right we could say well perhaps we were misguided perhaps we placed our eggs in the wrong basket perhaps God just has forsaken Israel perhaps he's only interested in the nations now because after all if you turn on the Christian TV channels all you see is the things that God is doing among the nations in large part. Perhaps God is finished. Perhaps I've dedicated my life to the salvation of the lost sheep of the house of Israel for nothing. And friend, let me tell you, the temptation um, 
that the enemy puts out to us can be easily embraced. But I want to tell you that God is going to move powerfully amongst his people. That I can guarantee you. That I can promise you that God has not forsaken his people Israel as it pertains to their position in Messiah. The future will be realized in Messiah Yeshua and our people will come to his light and be transformed. I want you to hear that. You know, this happens in every aspect of our life. We come to faith and perhaps you've not had luck with believing for healing. You know, we've prayed for people and they've gotten, gotten miraculously healed and delivered and we've prayed for people that have died. That's just the truth. But God is faithful. If there's a weak link in the chain, it's not God. For that I'm sure. And we believe for the salvation of Israel, and we've seen people, Jewish people, come to faith in Messiah. And for that we're grateful, right? And others haven't come. My question to us is, what should we do about that? Should we give up hope? Should we toss in the towel? Should we say it's not going to happen or it's futile? Look at us here. Rabbi, look, this place should be filled, and I agree. But it's not yet filled. Should that give us pause to reconsider what we've invested our life in? Or should it cause us to bear down and press into the living God to see his promise fulfilled in this place, in our lives, in our families, for healing, for restoration, for deliverance, whatever it is, to see God do. We sing a song, do what you do, God. God is a God of redemption. God is a God, he is the God of Israel. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of the Messiah who wept over Israel, the God who promises that all Israel will be saved. Do you think it's, I mean, I'm sure you've considered this, that the, if we think about this in terms in the natural, that the whole world's focus is on little tiny Israel. The whole world. You could turn on the news any given day and the whole, friend, it's a small country. The size of New Jersey. When's the last time you thought in New Jersey? No offense if you're from Jersey, but <laughs> Israel is such a tiny place, yet the whole world's attention is on Israel. And God, the God of the universe, says that one of the main, or one of the main features in this, uh, in this passage of Scripture is the glory of Israel. The glory of God over Israel.
in Matthew Yahu chapter 17, it says, Six days later, Yeshua took Kepha Yaakov and his brother Yochanan and led them up to a high mountain privately. As they watched, he began to change form. His face shone like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. That's pretty bright. <laughs> as white as light. Then they looked and saw Moshe and Eliyahu speaking with him. Kepha said to Yeshua, It's good that we hear, Lord. I'll put up three Sukkot if you want. One for you, one for Moshe, and one for Eliyahu. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. And the voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the Talmudim heard this, they were frightened so frightened that they fell face down on the ground. But Yeshua came, touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. So they opened their eyes, looked up, and saw only Yeshua by himself. This is what God's saying to us today. It's the same word that it was to them. He's saying... This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. My question for you and for me is, are we listening to Yeshua? Or are we just following the plan that we've mapped out for our life? We're going to work, following our career, our vocation, living our life with our four family members, doing our thing, going to and fro, or are we listening to him? Are our ears tuned in to what he's telling us, speaking to us, instructing us, guiding us to do? You know, every time God has moved, in the history of the world, he has spoken and someone has listened and obeyed. That's the way God has chosen to move. He doesn't just do it on his own. God has chosen to speak to someone, whether it be Noah or David, Yeshiyahu, Matijahu, or anyone else, and someone listened and obeyed. And God did wonderful things. God's glory so desperately, you know, in some traditions of the faith, they, they have a box that represents the glory of God. As if God can be kept in a box. We don't understand that God is not looking to be in a box. God is looking for his glory to shine throughout the earth. But he's looking for people through whom that glory will be allowed to shine. 
This is my son. Listen to him. You know, I'll be honest with you, that's all that really matters to me. God, am, am I listening to you? Am I listening to you? Because to do anything other than what God is instructing us to do is really futile. It's spinning our wheels. It leads nowhere. It's empty. I want to encourage everyone in this room. Hey, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. But it's time for the salvation of Israel to happen, and it's going to happen as we listen to him and be those lights that he wants us to be. Friends, we have to do it. The world is so dark. Israel is so lost. Our Jewish people so far away. The nations as well. And unless your light shines before men, they have no hope. The Bible puts it like this. They're like someone groping in darkness. Isn't it amazing? You could take a room that you know, turn out the lights where it's completely dark, and all of a sudden, do you move freely in that room? No, you start moving like this. If we could see the people of the earth, that's how they move, in, spiritually speaking. They're not free, they're bound found in darkness, groping around slowly, not in the freedom that God has called them to be. And God is calling you and he's calling me to be the light to the world. Friends, the Talmudim of Yeshua committed their life to be a light to the world as Yeshua instructed them. And they were pretty darn successful. Matter of fact, you could say that we've been, we've had some success. There's some encouraging things. In the general, you know, population, there's been stuff that we could probably say, Baruch Hashem, God is doing good things. I'll give you a little statistic. In 1970, there, are, there were 67 million people who said that they were spirit-filled believers. Because, do you know, um, spirit-filled segment of the believing population is the fastest-growing segment. 1970, 67 million. 2010, 600 million. And you could say, wow, not so bad. <laughs> That's pretty good. But let me tell you, amongst Jewish people, not so much. The Bible says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you know what it is practically? It's as if practically it's to the Jew last. How many ministries besides this one do you know reaching Jewish people? Out of, I could throw a 10-mile radius, and there's hundreds of churches reaching the Gentile world. 
and you can count on your hand the number of people reaching Jewish people. God wants that to change, and it's going to change as you say, I'm going to let my light shine before this world. Let me give you the last thing I want to talk about is tikkun olam, found in verses 19 through 22. Tikkun olam is the restoration of the world. When you read the book of Revelation, P.S., it is talking about tikkun olam. That's what it's talking about, and we'll read about it in a second. That God is wanting to and will restore all things. He will. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, right? In which will dwell righteousness. Just like when he created the heavens and the earth the first time, right? There was righteousness that prevailed until Adam and Chava blew it. So tikkun olam. Verse 19, no more will the sun be your light by day, nor will moonlight shine on you. Hear this, instead, Adonai will be your light forever. And your God, your glory, no longer will your sun go down, your moon will no longer wane, for Adonai will be your light forever. Your days of mourning will end, your people will be tzaddikim, righteous, they will inherit the land Forever they will be the branch I planted, my handiwork in which I take pride. The smallest will grow to a thousand, the weakest will become a mighty nation, and I, Adonai, when the right time comes, will quickly bring it about. Compare that to Revelation chapter 21. The city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it because God's Shekinah gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Its gates will never close. They stay open all day because night will not exist there. And the honor and splendor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure may enter it nor anyone who does shameful things or lies. The only ones who may enter are those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that funny? What are we, what are we going to be participating in a few weeks? Yom Kippur, where we consider this. Are our names written in the Sefer Chachai, the Book of Life? Are they in there? You want to know, in Jewish literature, we read a lot about the Book of Life. But nowhere in the Tanakh do we read about the book of life. We read about it in the Brit Chadashah, here in Revelation. That God wants us to be secure, right? That he, when he wraps things up and the end of the age comes, that our names are going to be in the right place. So I told you the theme of Isaiah 60 was God's glory. So here too we have the glory of God and the light of God emphasized in context of the Olam. I know we think this. You know, we think the world is just going to keep on spinning. You have no worry that in your lifetime anything is going to change, and perhaps that's true. But we don't know that for sure, do we? Matter of fact, in the secular world, what did they say in 12 years? <laughs> now we know they're wrong but that's what they're saying why are they saying that do you think why, why do you think the secular world is saying that because they see that something's not right 
But things aren't great in the world. But we can make it better, can't we? You see, our names are written in the book of life because of the blood of Yeshua. To that we say, Baruch Hashem. And I want to say this, if you're in this room and you've never accepted Yeshua as your personal Savior and Messiah, that you can do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that because the only way we could stand before God right and be righteous is if we're washed and atoned by the blood of the Lamb that God provide testified by all the prophets and that is Yeshua but it's not only a world to come it is a present reality for those who are in Messiah who have come to his life and had have abandoned all to follow him I'm starting to ring Jim Tikkun Olam is about restoration back to the original glory. I often think about it when I pass all these, you know, strip malls and they're all abandoned and run down and overgrown. And you see all the, you know, things don't look really great because they've been neglected. But God promises to restore all things to its original beauty that you can look at, and the only thing you're going to see is God's glorious creation, beautified. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Restored and glorified in the world, restored and glorified in Jerusalem, restored and glorified in your soul. Chapter 21 and verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away, and the sea was no longer there. Also I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice. And I hope you hear this voice. I, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, God's Shekhinah is with mankind, and he will live for them, with them. They will be his people, and he himself, God with them, will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death, and there will be no longer any mourning, crying, or pain, because the old order of things have passed away. Then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That's what God is preparing to do make everything new. That's what he wants to do in your life. If it needs restoration, he wants to make everything new. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to restore that which was stolen from you, from your family, from your health, from your finances, whatever it is. God is in the restoration business. I'm going to close with this because this is Yeshua speaking 
he speaks at the end of Revelation. Right? If you have a red letter Bible, right, it's there's not anything red. Very little in the beginning and then at the very end of Revelation. And look what it says in verse 12 of chapter 22. It starts with this. Pay attention, says Yeshua. Pay attention. I'm coming soon. Pay attention. Pay attention, I'm coming soon, and my rewards are with me. To give each person according to what he has done. I am the Aleph and the Tav, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. How blessed are those who wash their robes so that they have the right to eat from the tree of life and to go through the gates into the city. Outside are the homosexuals, those involved with the occult and with drugs, the sexually immoral murderers, idol worshipers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Yeshua, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the messianic communities. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, let anyone who hears say, come. And let anyone who's thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life free of charge. Free of charge, the water of life. I warn everyone hearing the words of the prophecy in this book that if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues written in this book. And if anyone takes anything away from the words in the book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city as described in this book. The one who is testifying to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. May the grace of the Lord Yeshua be with you all. I, I don't know what that speaks to you, <laughs> but it's a sobering admonition to us as followers of Yeshua. This is what he's saying. Pay attention. Listen. It can't be just the same old, same old. Friend, it can't be what the world is doing. If we're taking our cues from the world, that means tomorrow we're going to, you know, to do our shopping and go to Best Buy, wherever we go, and go to the big box store and get our samples. Watch our games. Listen. It's not wrong to do it, but we need to understand and pay attention that God is fixing to do something awesome. Awesome. No eye has seen, hear that, no ear has heard. God's going to do something new. Are we ready for him? Are we listening? Are we paying attention? We all have a choice to make as far as our priorities in our life. How are you going to live your life? Joshua said, as for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord. But I'll tell you what, that's not just a little ditty we sing. That's a re that needs to be something 
that we live out, that we're going to serve the living God. We're going to pay attention. We're going to listen to him. We're going to be really Talmudim, learners and followers, not just we come once a week and then just go do our thing. No, that we're going to be really listening, really paying attention, really following, really reading the scriptures and allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us and direct our lives. Why do I say that? Because God's glory is getting ready to come. Again, the first time he came, he walked, the glory of God walked into the temple in Jerusalem. And no one recognized it, the very few. The leaders surely did not recognize. Could you imagine? Friend, we have to be ready and pay attention because he's going to come again. And he's looking for ready people. Amen? God, wherever you're at today, if you're in this room and you've never given your heart to Yeshua, I want you to consider doing that. To consider, is your book written in the Sefer Hakai? I'm going to ask Evan and the worship team to come and just play minister. I want you to consider that. Do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God? That God forbid if you were to die today, you would be in heaven with Yeshua. Do you know it? If there's a little inkling of a doubt, the coolest thing is it's not a hard thing. Yeshua just says this, believe. If you believe and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you'll be saved. We turn from our sins our old way of life, and we turn to God, and we never look back, and God does a transformative process in our life. And God begins to do wonderful things in us. If you're in this room and never prayed to receive or acknowledge that he is Lord, believed in his name, we're going to pray right now. I want everyone to pray with me. Father, I thank you that you sent the Messiah to be the atoning sacrifice for my sins and the sins of the world. Lord, I repent. Lord, I choose to turn away from sin and toward righteousness. To put my faith and hope in Yeshua to trust in him and to live for him to all my days. Lord, fill me with your Ruach. Help me to live for Yeshua. I believe. I believe your report. I believe your testimony that Yeshua is the Messiah. I choose this day to live for him. Amen. Listen, it's a simple prayer. It's just a declaration of what you believe. Nothing, you know, special about the prayer. But if you believe it in your heart, that's when it's special. And God does 
a transformation begins to transform your heart and your life. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you've done that for the first time today, tell us later. And we'll um, talk to you. You know, a few things you need to do. Begin to read the Bible and get into a community of faith to stay close to you and connected to the Messiah. But if you're in this room and... Um, you know, you never know how a message is going to go. It didn't really, I didn't, I don't know how you felt about it. Didn't mean for it to be a heavy thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a sobering thought that we live in the midst of a dark world. That's just the reality. That God loves and so desperately. That God so much wants to reach. We live in the midst of our own Jewish people who are lost without Yeshua. And God's asking us, will you be the light of the world? Will you let your light shine? Will you let me touch people through you? Because I want to expand my family. That's what God's saying. And so I just want to ask you to consider that. And if, you know, maybe just do a little business in your heart. Maybe you're doing it in Great. Awesome. I want to do it better, personally. Um, if you're not doing it, maybe you could say, God, I want to do it. I want to do it. And that's good, too. God, no condemnation. Say, God, I want to do it. I want to reach people. I want to be the light you call me to be. I want to be about your kingdom and not just my stuff. a second, I'm just going to pray over us and you'll be dismissed, but we're also going to have the prayer team come up and if you have any other need, it could have to do with the message, it could have nothing to do with the message we want to pray for you we don't want you to leave here without your need being met, so if you have a need we want to be able to pray with you to see God bring release to that in your life but for right now, let's just meditate for a second on the things we heard. Yeshua is the light, and he calls us to be the light. The salvation of Israel is going to come, and he wants it to come through you and through me. asking us to pay attention and to listen. Pay attention and to listen. So Father, I pray over your people, God, that, Lord, you would do a stirring in every heart. Father, that you would stir our hearts by your spirit, that we would be effective in our lives for your kingdom and your glory. God, that we would be, Lord, faithful servants, God, who are not only concerned with our own things in our own family, and God, I know you want us to be concerned about those things, but also concerned about the lost and the dying, concerned about people who are walking in darkness and separated from you, God, that we would, Lord, allow and open our hearts to carry your burden to the world. 
Lord, and I know it won't be a crushing burden, but it will be a burden that you will enable us to carry so that we can be effective in reaching others. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart in this room, every life. God, that we would seek, Lord, to fulfill your plans and purposes for each of us. Father, that the glory of the name of Yeshua would be magnified in our life and in this place. That the name of Yeshua would be glorified, Lord, in the annals of heaven. God, that we will, Lord, be uh, those who contribute to the masses of people who hear the well done, good and faithful servant. So, Spirit of God, breathe on our hearts, I pray. Do something new and fresh in each of us. Lord, and during this season of the high holy days, Lord, may we see tens and hundreds of Jewish people and thousands of Jewish people come to faith in Yeshua. blessing and you are dismissed and um, but again if you need prayer don't leave without getting prayer let us agree with you and stand to your feet May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I pray for your peace that surpasses understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Messiah Yeshua. Bless your people. Lord, bring healing and health to their bodies, to their families. Lord, enrich their souls as they seek your face this week in Yeshua's name. God bless you if you need to go. If you need prayer, we're here to pray. Oh, Father.